Let's turn to the Lord in prayer. Great and mighty Heavenly Father, we praise Thee for Thy mercy and Thy loving kindness to us. We praise Thee, Father, because Thy truth endures forever. And we praise Thee, Father, now because we can sit at Thy feet to hear this truth, the truth of Your Word. In the name of Jesus do we pray. Amen. This morning, Brother Ben referenced uh, fairy tales. And this afternoon, I would like to reference mystery. Um, I think many of us would be familiar with the genre of a mystery. And um, sometimes they can be quite thrilling. But there's uh, twists and turns that happen in there. But the real... um, Uh, nature of a mystery is that something, uh, and and we usually would anticipate this, but something is going to change that we just don't quite have a handle on yet. Things are going along, we see certain things happening, and uh, people responding in certain ways, but we're just waiting for that something to happen that will reveal the plot you know, reveal the character that everybody's looking for or uh, something along those lines. So there's this idea of anticipation or of not knowing, maybe on the edge of our seat a little bit, but because we're waiting, we, we have the sense that something is, is, is not being told to us. And so I propose to you that the next psalm in the Egyptian halal is a mystery along that genre of a mystery. And the next... Uh, The next psalm will be Psalm 117. Psalm 117. Now, Psalm 117 is a very short chapter. It's only two verses. It's the shortest chapter in the Bible. It's the shortest psalm. And it also happens to be right dead center in the Bible. The absolute middle chapter of the Bible. According to the King James uh, translation, I share that pure and simply as trivia. It means absolutely nothing. There's no significance to the fact that it's the shortest or that it's this dead center. But next time you play Bible trivia, that might help you out. So let's read the psalm, just a short psalm, two verses. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. So this would have been sung at the uh, Passover feast um, after the uh, third uh, glass of wine, I believe, or perhaps even after the fourth. I'm not 100% sure of the exact order. We are going to go over the uh, Passover feast procedure um, eventually, but uh, at this point, it's not hugely important. But this is towards the end. This would have been one of those uh, hymns that Jesus recited with his disciples in the upper room just before he uh, traveled to the garden. <clears throat> and so I'd like to look briefly at the uh, context, look at the, the verse itself, and um, in a sense, dissect it. And then we want to look at the context of it. And I want to explore this idea of the mystery of this. 
But let's begin with uh, the first phrase, O praise the Lord, all ye nations. So again, here we have the hallelujah, uh, making it one of the halal hymns. And it's calling to all the nations. Now this word for nations is goy, and it almost always, and I mean like almost always, very, very few times does this reference the nation of Israel. So this would be a call to all of the nations, the Gentile nations, to praise the Lord. And then again, the phrase, praise him all ye people, um, this word praise is not the same as the first one, which is halal, but this is shavach, and that means to laud, to praise, to extol the Lord. Um, and when you break it down even more into its, its finer meaning, it means to soothe or to pacify in a sense, to stroke. So almost imagine uh, if you have an, a dog that's uh, nervous or angry and you, you pet the dog just to calm it down. There, boy, it's okay. Um, this is almost the, the meaning that co- comes with this word praise, shavach, to loud, to praise, to soothe with praise, or to pacify with praise. And then again, the final phrase, all ye people. But again, it's a different phrase from nations. This is ummah, and it's referencing a people, um, perhaps with ties to the same mother. So maybe more of a people group uh, of the same origins. Um, is it referencing Israel? It doesn't, it's not clear if this is referencing Israel or just people groups, another way of describing um, the nations, the other people. So here it's, it's a call to praise the Lord, all ye nations, praise him, all ye people. And so here, this is a little bit out of the ordinary in a sense because this is now the nation of Israel, the people of Israel who are calling to the world to, and saying to them, praise him. And uh, they're looking at the nations to say, praise the Lord. Now, this is not typical, um, but it's not uncommon either for the nations around uh, Israel to recognize that God is, there's something different about God. And I, in my, my readings, I'm going through, uh, I believe one of the uh, kings um, is facing a, a, um, a nation that's coming to attack them. And, and they turn to the Lord and they ask the Lord to fight the battle for them, uh, much like Hezekiah, but it was a different account. And again, they go out and they're praising the Lord. They're singing unto the Lord and the Lord destroys the, he turns each of the uh, uh, the opposing army against each other, and they end up uh, destroying each other. Not one person lives. And the nations all about, when they heard of this account, they were in awe. They were uh, afraid of the Lord because they, they knew that the God of the people of Israel, there was something different about him. And this is the call that's going to these people here. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. And verse 2 says, for his mercy, merciful kindness. And now this is two words here, both the same origin is, uh, as Brother Dan has been talking the last couple messages that he's given of hesed. Um, the love of God, the mercy, the kindness, um, his zeal towards um, uh, his people, loving kindness, uh, the grace or favor, the mercy of God. So here we have the sense from this word that um, the merciful kindness, that's like two descriptions of, of God's heart to his people, towards us. His merciful kindness is great towards us. And the, the nations would have seen this. They would have seen God um, 
and how he treats with his people, how he interacts with his people. And of course, they would have also recognized, why doesn't my God do these things? Everything that I have to do, I have to do on my own might. But the nations around, the people around, were seeing who God is. Now, part of this, uh, this as I'm looking at the, um, the Hebrew Chaldee Dictionary, um, one thing they note is that this word, hesed, is um, almost always combined with the, another word, emeth, uh, emeth, rather, and that is the next phrase, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. So this phrase is almost always together, or very, very often, not always, but very, very often it's together. The merciful, loving kindness of God and the truth of the Lord, the faithfulness of God. And so these two almost always or very often are together. And it says here, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. It is constant, um, abiding and constant, faithful and true. This is the mercy and the kindness of God, the love that God has towards us. So this is the, the psalm um, as the, the people uh, would be reciting it in the Passover they would be um, calling on the nations, look at our God, look at how good he is to us, look at how great he is to us, how he loves us, and he's merciful to us, and he's faithful. And the historic context of this psalm, we don't know exactly. We don't know the date of this precisely, but there's many who think that it's, it's after the uh, exile from Babylon. And so, this would be something that the people of Israel would uh, want to uh, remember, um, you know, even though, that, that phrase, even though we've gone through such difficult times, even though we lost our homeland and we were captive in a, in a foreign nation, um, uh, surrounded by other gods, and, and for 70 years, even though all of these things happened, God's mercy and loving kindness it was constant and abiding and did not leave us. He redeemed us from that. The people of Israel, the Jews, would celebrate the Passover, which was so significant to them because it was rooted in God taking them from bondage and setting them free. And declaring that you are my people. And so this would have been such a, um, a precious uh, uh, psalm to them. Because it, it, in a sense it, it's, it's their struggle. But their hope. God has been good to us. And his, his love, his mercy is for, uh, forever. What a, um, a, a powerful truth. To have settled in your heart. Is it not? Is it not powerful for every one of us um, who is a, a believer to know that God our Father is constant, He's faithful and true? And, and if we truly believe that, if we can strip away the, 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 the cobwebs of doubt or of insecurity and so on, and settle in our hearts that God is merciful and kind and loving forever. That, on a personal level, that is so vital for me. 
So this is what the Israelites, when they are celebrating the Passover, would be remembering. They'd be remembering that the nations looking from the outside would look in and see that God has been great uh, towards them in his love and his mercy. But is that where it stays? Because although this is the context that this psalm was written in, this is who it was written to, is that the end? Can you and I, who are clearly not uh, uh, of, the, of the house of Jacob, can we find comfort in this? Or are we on the outside, in a sense, looking in, saying, your God is great? What did God call the people of Israel out for? Why did he save them from Egypt? I would like to look briefly at um, Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, because this is the, uh, uh, the covenant that God makes with the people of Israel when he takes them out of Egypt. Now, therefore... If ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. Now think about that. The Jewish people hear this, and that is such, so precious to them that God has taken them, and they're a treasure. Uh, they are a treasure to him. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Remember these things. Teach them to your kids that you are a nation that is a precious to me. You are my treasure. And you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now why did he use that? Why did he say you are priests and a holy nation? Because what do the priests do? The kingdom of priests would represent God to all nations. These people were chosen uh, and, and elected and, and saved and, and brought out of bondage and out of captivity. And they were made, God made a covenant with them there on Mount Sinai so that they could be a, a kingdom of priests. And they would be a representative to all nations. A representative of God to all nations. See, they weren't just taken out and now made a select club. They were taken out and, and, and saved, not just so that they aren't in bondage anymore, but they were saved to have a purpose. And that purpose was to be a witness and a testimony unto um, the nations of who God is. They were called to show forth God's praise to the world, as it says in 1 Peter. And if you look at that verse in, in uh, 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, it says, it almost uses the exact same sort of um, uh, language, um, uh, re referencing not just the Jews, though, but it's referencing uh, or it, it's saying that you are a priest, a holy nation, a peculiar people, and there is a show forth God's praise to the world. So the people of Israel were t are taken out of bondage, not to be a select, very exclusive club, but to be a, 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 a light bearer to the world. But that's not what was happening. And if you look at um, the, uh, the people of Israel, especially in, in the Pharisees uh, in, in Christ's time, it was a very exclusive club. And if you didn't have the right heritage, and if you didn't right have the right lineage, and you couldn't trace your ancestry back to certain tribes and so on, it was insignificant then. But that is not the heart of God. 
That's not the heart of God towards all people. And so here comes this mystery. So what is, why did God choose these people? And, and, and we, we have to start looking through the scripture because the scripture, the Old Testament is always adding these little parts in here that are incongruent with this idea that we're exclusive and that we are um, uh, separated and, and very, very special and, and nobody else can be part of us. And, and God's heart was never there, and he never chose them for that. And, and so this psalm, when we read this psalm, it says, all nations uh, worship him, all, all people praise him. This is not saying, you praise him from the outside for what he's done for us. Now let's look at some of the, the, the clues in this mystery that we've been receiving through the Old Testament. And we're going to start to see how this mystery develops. In uh, Genesis chapter 12, right at the beginning with Abraham, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curse thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Not just the house of Jacob, but all families shall be blessed. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 56, chapter, verse 6 and to 8. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord, to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant. So these are the people who are not part of the lineage of Jacob. It says, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted Upon mine altar, for mine house shall be a, called a house of prayer for all people. Not just of the house of Jacob, but for all people. Listen in, in Ephesians chapter 2. It says, uh, verse 11 to 13, Wherefore, remember, now um, the apostle is, is reminding them where they were, that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by them which... By that which is called circumcision in the flesh made by hands. That at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Looking at the people, these nations, these people that we reference in the first verse, saying you were without hope, you were without the promise. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were afar off. So this psalm written to the people of Israel and um, precious to the people of Israel, it was, there's a theme that goes, or there's a, I don't even know what you call it, but like a theme in a sense that says already but not yet. And this happens all throughout the scripture. So we see this psalm is already in that God has blessed chosen, elected the people of Israel, but it's not yet. Not yet is it finished. Not yet has it filled or come to its full appreciation. See, and now the children of Israel may have said, you know, we are the house of Jacob, and we recognize that uh, we have a great thing and that people, the nations, may want to come and be part of this. And, and so uh, they may be considering it, the proselytes in a sense, you can come, you can be part of this commonwealth of Israel, but here's the condition. And when a stranger shall so sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and then let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as one that is born in the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. So this, this idea, that the, the symbol that they had of circumcision, that 
was the way that people became part of this elect, this promise, and no other way. And so we have here a song precious to the Israelites that really is meaningless to us. Meaningless, I say, only because if we keep it there, in there, in that location, as, as a, a post-exilic psalm where, uh, where the nations are praising the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who has elected his, um, his people and kept them for a special purpose, then we will forever be the choristers. We will forever be those who are called upon to praise God. Praise God for what he has done for them. Not for what he's done for us. But see, here is the mystery. And, and Ephesians chapter 3 now speaks of this mystery that has long been hidden. Because the Jews, who were the, um, that salvation belonged to the Jews. They were the ones who were given the oracles of God. They were the ones who were chosen. Now these are extremely um, uh, uh, privileged people. And we see the, the Pharisees, the heart of the Pharisees. No, 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 no. Nobody, not just anybody comes in. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 3. And we see the resolution of this mystery that, ha- that was um, from the time beginning. So Paul begins in, in chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given me, to you word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. Paul received by revelation the understanding of this mystery. Verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Up until now, nobody understood this mystery. This was a great mystery. Um, it was not known unto the sons of men, but it is now revealed. And this is the mystery, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. That the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. What does this mean? This means that you and I, men and women, we have an opportunity to be able to not just as the hired choristers sing the praises of God for his love and his mercy and his kindness and the truth that endures forever that he has shown to the people of Israel, but we now can with our own hearts in truth and in hope, we can sing these praises of God too. Because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus Christ says that we can have salvation by repent, through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. That is the pure and simple gospel. That by the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the great mystery has been revealed. And that is that all of us can be fellow heirs. And that we can be part of the body. And that we too can sing, great is your love and your mercy, uh, uh, great towards us. That's where our hope can lie. And it says further down in in chapter 3. 
Verse 11, according unto the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. The apostle is telling us that according to the eternal purpose, not just the, the second uh, plan, the plan B purpose. Oh no, Adam sinned? What am I going to do now? This was the eternal purpose. That God would save his people. That we would all become part of the body through Jesus Christ. With confidence by the faith of him. The great mystery that has been hid from old is now revealed. The great psalm, so short and yet so powerful, is now a psalm that is not only uh, those... uh, exclusive to those who are of the tribe of uh, um, Jacob, but are now, is now, the psalm that you and I can sing. Now I'd like to uh, help Paul recognize this. In chapter 15 of Romans, Paul addresses uh, this whole topic and in fact quotes Psalm 17. So let's turn to Psalm, uh, Romans 15. Now, Romans 15 just follows after uh, Paul begins to speak to the, uh, the Romans about um, what it meant to be a child of Abraham and what the significance of that was in the election of the people of, of uh, Israel and the purpose that he elected them for and uh, all of these sort of things, right? And, and so we had this tension between those who perhaps claim heritage of, of uh, Abraham, Abraham is our father, and, and those who would be the Gentiles nations coming in. And so Paul says in Romans uh, 15 verse 5, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. So he's calling them to be like-minded one toward another. Not differentiating, not saying, oh you are uh, uh, from uh, Persia or you are from uh, uh, Italy or from wherever. Oh you're not one of us. You're not of the house of Jacob. I'm sorry, uh, you know, you're second class or you're something other, but you're not one of us. No, Paul is saying you need to be like-minded one toward another. According to Christ Jesus, that in Christ Jesus we are one body. And he says here, uh, verse 6, that we may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the first verse in Psalm 117. Praise him, all nations. Praise him, all ye people. All of us together with one mind and one mouth glorifying God. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. So Jesus ministered specifically to the Jews for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So here we have this promise in Genesis chapter 12 that um, says that, Through him, all the nations shall be blessed. So here, Jesus is confirming that promise. That through Abraham, now Jesus could trace his lineage back to uh, Abraham. And through, through Abraham, by Christ, all the nations would be blessed. Why? Because of what Christ did. Because of that, that, that act of love. That sacrificial love that Christ had where he, he willingly died on the cross so that the debt of each sinner could be paid. And that through his resurrection and, and through his righteousness, we also could become righteous in God's eyes. 
And to the, in verse 9, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as is written. So here he quotes Psalm 18, verse 49. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. So Jesus went and ministered to the Jews. Only to the Jews, in fact. And he, he had personal dealings with the Gentiles, but his ministry was only to the Jews. And then the Jews, um, there's this beautiful progression so that uh, Jesus, who ministered to the, Jews, uh, to the Jews, confirming the promises. So in him, these promises are actually coming true in who he is, his lineage and so on. And then what he did in the, in the cross, on the cross. And then through that, through the ministry to the Jews, the Jews glorify God among the Gentiles. And so we see that in the book of Acts. The first seven chapters are the, the, uh, the Jews uh, ministering in Jer- uh, the, the apostles and so on. They're ministering in Jerusalem. And then after that, they went out to Samaria. And then after that, they went out into the Gentile world. And so we see the Jews then are, are uh, as it says here, for this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And then in verse 10 it says, and again he saith, Rejoice ye Gentiles with the, his people. So this would be Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 43. That's being quoted. Rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. So now, because of this, because of Christ coming and ministering, and, and the Jews then also giving the, the good news to the Gentiles, now the, Jew, the Gentiles, you and I, we can now rejoice with his people. We are not, no longer just the people who are told, come and look and see how good our God is to us. But now we can come alongside and say, look at how good our God is to all of us. And verse 11 is the, is the quoting of, of Psalm 117. And here Paul takes this now from just being a psalm that is specific to the Israelites And he makes us a psalm that is for all of us. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles. In psalm it says nations, and loud him all ye people. So here we have all the Jews and Gentiles together now, praising God. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Brothers and sisters, men and women, we have been given hope. And what does a hope lie in? The same object of praise that the uh, Israelites were told to worship, to consider, and that is this, the second verse. For his merciful kindness is great towards us. We are now part of the us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Men and women, we have hope. We have hope because, as Brother Dan spoke of the love of God, and so we've heard of the love of God, the hesed of God, and here we now also can, uh, we, through the gospel, we know of the love of God, the act of Jesus Christ and the, the heart of him as he would come to this world, that he would uh, die for the sinners. 
and that he would take upon himself the, the scorn and the torture and, and all of these things. And, and that is the living um, display of the love of God. The zeal that God has toward every one of us. That's where, where we have the hope. Not because uh, I have hope because I have um, you know, a, a talent for uh, doing wonderful things or saying wonderful things or building or whatever. It's, it has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with your talents. It has nothing to do with your lineage. It has nothing to do with what nation your parents came from, what version of the Bible we worship from, or what uh, songbook we worship from. It has everything to do with the love, the mercy, and the kindness of God. That is where our hope lies. And why do we have that hope as well? Because we know that it is true, and that He is faithful, and He is faithful forever. And that he will not change. And although leaders may come and go, and, and nations may rise and fall, and, and the, the cosmos may de, be destroyed and, and, and all enveloped into a black hole, still God, his mercy and kindness is great towards us. And we have that hope now. Brothers and sisters, we have that hope. Men and women, those of you who are, are, are without hope, who are perhaps looking at the times that we live in and we say, oh God, what is going to happen? We have hope. We have hope in the God who loves us and has shown that love to us. And if we go through the, the scriptures and we can see the testimony of his love from start to finish. It speaks of Jesus, the revelation of Jesus. We heard about it this morning in uh, Bible classes. We're starting in the book of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus is not a new revelation. And as we look at the description that John uh, gives of the Jesus, the, the figure that he sees, this is all prophecies and visions that we have all through the Old Testament. It's not a new Jesus that we are seeing. And the hope that we have is not a new hope. It's a hope that has been spoken from eternity beginning. And it will last until eternity past. The Jews found this so precious. They knew it in a very real way. They knew and they know the faithfulness of God. And now you and I, as we take that cup, and as we break that bread, and as we are reminded of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, we need to do so in remembrance of him. And we need to do so with a hope in our hearts, brothers and sisters. And we need to then have that hope that overrides all fears, all worries about what will come in the future. And we don't know. We have history. If history tells us the, the possibility of extreme hard times is very real. But we still, we still need to hope. Because God's love, his merciful kindness is great toward us. And the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah.